God, we believe. Yes, we can see that wonders are still what you do. And bodies are still being raised. Giants are still being slain. Because God, we believe. Yes, we can see. Wonders are still what you do. We are here for you. Call and do what you do. We are here for you. Call and do what you do. We set, set our Miracles happen when you hold. Healing is coming in this world. Miracles happen when you hold. Heaven is coming. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Awesome, awesome. Well, welcome. It is Sunday morning and we are ready to worship. But before then, we would like to welcome you to Impact Church. Everyone online, welcome. And we're going to do something real quick before we worship. Everyone excited today? Yes. Come on. Is everyone excited? Yes. You know, we have an opportunity today to sing from our platform of authority. Amen. To fill the atmosphere with praise. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. So as we do this, I would like to read Psalms 95 verses 1 through 3. Come on, everyone. Let's sing for joy to the Lord. Let's shout our loudest praise to God yes. who saved Hallelujah. us. Hallelujah. Yes. 
everyone come meet his face with a thankful heart. Jesus. Here's the key. Do not hold back your praise. Yes. Everyone online, yes. you don't hold back Jesus. your praise. Yes, Jesus. Make him great by the shouts of joy. For the Lord is the greatest of all. Yes, Jesus. King God over all gods. And then later on it says in chapter 7, drop everything. Everyone say, drop everything. Drop everything. And listen to his voice. Listen to his voice. Now, I don't know personally what the walls or idols that are in your life, I know what they're all in my life, but God is present. Yes, he is. And the key, like we said last week, is praise. Jesus. Praise. Yes, praise Jesus. and praise. Yes, so we're going to worship yes, and praise Jesus. from the from our victory. And we're going to worship and praise from our authority. Yes. And yes. today, authority is a key word. Authority is a key word. Jesus. Thank that means God. every name must bow to the to the name of Jesus, Jesus. right? Yes. So that means in our city, every name will bow to the name of Jesus. Jesus. Yes. How many of you know we live in a dark world? Yes. And the only answer is who? Jesus. And how does Jesus get into our world? Through us. Through the church. Yes. And how does he? How does it get through? The church is by using our authority. We cannot be passive. We cannot even be passive aggressive about this. We we learned about this. We've got to be assertive by proclaiming Jesus. And I really don't like how the world is right now with all the fear and all this other stuff. I know you don't either. So we're going to lift up Jesus. And we're going to bind the enemy and conquer in Bears County. We're going to use our God given authority today. Can you do that with me? We're going to do that first personally. Second, in our nation. Because our nation will turn her head back to Jesus. Because he is God over all names. Every idol, every God in our nation, personally and in our nation. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for dying on the cross for us. We thank you for taking all of our infirmities in the name of Jesus. And, Father, right now, I thank you that Concord, Cabarrus County, and all the surrounding counties will serve you in the name of Jesus. We cast down every darkness. We cast down every lie in Concord. We cast down everything in the name of Jesus. And she must serve the Lord most high. We thank you that Jesus is the name above all names here, Father. I thank you that Concord will be known for a place of unity, but also a place that serves God and will be, that will make him the head over all. I thank you, Father, that every wall will be broken down in the name of Jesus. Every idol in our nation must bow its knee to the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for salvation. I thank you for discipleship. I thank you, Father, for the fire of God that will reside in Concord, North Carolina. I thank you, Father, for awakening in our nation. Father, I thank you. I am tired of being tired. I am tired of not seeing the manifestation. Father, I thank you that we get 
our junk together. I thank you, Lord, that we put it all on the altar. Just like we see in the Bible, as we lay the sacrifice on the altar, your presence engulfed the sacrifice. And I'm believing that as we lay everything on the altar, your presence will engulf that sacrifice in the name of Jesus. I thank you personally, Lord, that every wall in here will be destroyed. I thank you that every idol that we might have put in our lives will bow its name to Jesus. And I thank you that there will be freedom in this house, that there will be restoration in this house, that there will be healing in this house today. I thank you that it won't just stop today because we're not just here for a production, but we're here to get mobilized. I thank you that the marketplace will turn its eyes back to Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that the business-minded people will turn his eyes back to Jesus, Jesus. and then they will mobilize and change our city in the name of Jesus. Man, I'm super excited. God is still moving. God is still moving. So today, we're going to see from our place of authority, whatever is in your life, them walls must bow. Them names must bow. Are you ready to take your walls down? Are you ready to take your idols down? Oh, I feel like we need to get uncomfortable. If you've got walls, your infirmities could be your idol or your wall, and they must bow. And if you want to really get uncomfortable, this first song, come on up here, and let's see and let's get free. But also keep in mind, we're singing over our city as well, and we're expecting freedom in our house. Are y'all ready? Jesus name. That walls fall down. In Jesus name. That strong 
First, and I'm going to tell you the dream. Proverbs 21, 22. A warrior filled with wisdom ascends into the high places and releases breakthrough. This is a banner of breakthrough, by the way. That's what this is. It represents breakthrough. How many of you need breakthrough? Yes. yes. If you need breakthrough, I want you to get yourself up here because I'm going to wave this banner of breakthrough over you. Now, this might be a little weird, but you know what? We get weird, and sometimes we got to get weird to get out of the devil's hands, right? Yes. Yes. Get your butt up here, okay? I'm going to tell you my dream. I was in a car, and you know, cars always represent ministry. And I was driving down Union Street. You recall the dream, the vision Terry had a couple of weeks ago about the demonic warfare going on on Union Street and Church Street. 
I was driving down Union Street and we were at the corner of Corbin and Union. Now, cars always represent ministry. I was driving the car, that means it was Impact Church. I knew really clear it was Impact Church. Suddenly, two dogs attacked the car. Dogs represent demons. Yes. And so the, they got underneath the car. And they were chewing under, underneath the car. Now, this particular car was not my current car. It was a car, but it had one of those gear sticks that you press and, you know, you change. It goes up and down like this to change gears in a console. Suddenly, they were, they, and I could feel them underneath the car hitting the bottom of the car. And they, suddenly, the gear stick just came out. And then all of a sudden, bolts and screws. And I had the whole console was filled with what was in my dream represented the transmission or the ability to change gears. I could no longer change gears. We ended up in front of the courthouse. Stopped. What does courthouse represent? Authority. Governmental authority. I didn't, I didn't, I, I was praying about that this morning. I was downstairs in my office downstairs. I go down there in the morning sometimes just to get quiet, get hooked up. And the Lord, I believe as the Holy Spirit said, no, you were in the place of governmental authority. And the enemy was attacking that authority. I'm telling you, I almost ran up the stairs. I had to find him. I said, I know what it is now. It's the governmental authority. God has given to us governmental authority in this city. As we pulled away from the corner, Terry then drove. We pulled away from the corner where we were. Somehow he got it going. We were going down on, just had crossed the light there at Union. The two dogs were dead. They were huge dogs. One looked like a wolf. The other looked like some kind of, I don't know what he was. Uh, he was One was totally dead. The other one that looked like the wolf did like this to make one final lunge, and then he fell dead. Let me tell you, that's the authority we have as a church. That's yes. the authority we have in the yes. city. Yes, amen. Barbara Wintrouble prophesied in 08 we'd have favor with the government. I believe she meant the government of God. Jesus. A warrior filled with wisdom ascends into the high place and releases breakthrough. Bringing down the strongholds of the mighty. That's what we're called to do as a church. I'm telling you, we cannot be alarmed when we get attacked by the enemy because he has. he's going to be dead. He's going to die. He cannot withstand our authority. Like Pastor Zach said, if we are speaking words of authority... Right. If we are speaking what the Word of God says, the devil has nothing in us. Amen. He has no Amen. victory over us. Regardless of what your situation is, you've got to speak the Word of God over that. You've got to take authority. And we're taking authority over what we saw in this city. Amen. We're taking authority over everything that's trying to move into this city, that's trying to uproot the righteousness and the glory of God out of this city. My God. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. I want us to sing this song again, and I'm going to wave this banner of breakthrough over you. Jesus. Okay? There's nothing magic in it. It's just symbolic of the breakthrough power that we have as believers. Yes, Jesus. Okay, Dan, go right ahead. Just one thing to throw in, okay? We don't peacefully coexist with the devil. That's right. Okay? That's right. right. Coexist? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. It's God. That's right. We're not going to poke those dogs. They should be dead. That's right. Yeah, those demons. The demon right. dogs. The demon dogs. The demon dogs. All right. Demon so we dogs. Do it again you want breakthrough? Start. Get up here. Let's get some breakthrough. Yes. Hallelujah.
Jesus. Standing right there, I heard the Lord say, you've got a religious spirit in this house. I said, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you something. We need to break out of the mold of religiosity. I think it's interesting that where I stopped was on the corner where there was government and a huge religious denominational church. That's right. There's a spirit of religion in this city. And the spirit of religion says you have to do it this way yes. or no way. The spirit of religion says that God don't require all that. Don't get so emotional. That's what the spirit of religion says. Let me tell you something. God's looking for some emotional people. Yes, he yes. is. God's looking for somebody to get out of the box and say, you know, God, I'll jump for you. I'll dance for you. Yes. I'll pray yes. for you. I'll do whatever yes. you want me to do. I'll do it for Jesus. you. I want us to sing this song. And if you think, God, that was me. I've got a little religious spirit. You know, we've been taught sometimes you don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do anything. But you can also don't have to come out of your bondage. Jesus. God's wanting us to act like we love and excited about what He wants us to do today. Yes, yes, we will. Can we get excited? Yes, Can we, move? we will. Yes. You know, if you look at some of these these praise words in the Hebrew, Talil and all these others, they mean to twirl. They mean to jump. They mean to shout. It's not just. We've gotten so westernized. We've gotten so sophisticated. You know, God's looking for some unsophisticated people that He can say, yes. I can put in the trenches. Jesus. We're going to do this. Jesus. We're going to take care of this city. Can we do that? Yes. Let's sing. Come on, let's do it again. Right, Come on, let's before, get out of our religious boxes. But before we do that, okay, look. I want to raise up a certain level of hostility against evil in your hearts and in your spirits. Jesus. Okay? Because listen, when David was facing Goliath, you think he felt pity? You felt think he felt compassion? No. No. Goliath had to go down. So when we sing words like crush the darkness, I'm going to teach you a new worship move, okay? You know how to raise your hands, right? Jesus, you know how to do some of this. It's like, let me teach you a new worship move. Ready for this? Yes. Stump. Stump the devil into the ground. <laughs> Defeat. Because we're supposed to be able to crush scorpions and serpents, right? Okay. So there's something that is activated in the spiritual realm when we do things in the physical. Now I know some of you aren't going to feel comfortable with that. Okay. But some of you will. Okay. So let's don't feel comfortable. Then do it uncomfortable. (laughs) There you go. There you go. We're going to do some devil stuff. All right. That's right. Okay. Do it again. We're just going to do this song 10 times until we get it. Right. Ready, here we go. You moved the mountains, told the wind and waves be still. You cast out demons, did the empty soul be filled? And now there's breakthrough, now there's freedom in your name. You gave us power and the keys to do the same. Your whole redemption yes. made us use the song. You showed us mercy with yes. your mighty miracles. And now there's breakthrough. Yeah. Now there's freedom in your name. You gave us power and the keys to do the same. Now we Jesus' name. 
of the walls of Jericho. They did it seven day, seven times on the seventh lap. <laughs> the walls fell. And as we're singing and praising God, all I could see was a, you know, a uh, reservoir. And the more we're singing, the more we're punching that reservoir. The more we're singing, the more we're punching that reservoir. What's going to happen eventually? Why is that reservoir there? To hold back the water. To hold back the fresh rain of the Holy Spirit on our land. So we're going to do it one more time. But as we're doing this, we're going to be start praying over the seven mountains of influence. These walls must bow to the name of Jesus. And it must be influenced by one name and one name only. Jesus. So let's read them over real quick. The seven mountains. Education. Religion. Family. Business. 
business, government and military, arts and entertainment, and media. Yes. Walk around Jericho here. So follow the flag. We're going to sing this. We're going to cast out all the demons in these seven mountains. Woo, yes.
Come back next week. You'll get it next week. Well, that was different. (laughs) Different is good. Different is good. Different is good. Yes. You know what? It's time we get out of our religious structures and we start. And, you know, you don't. God's just looking for our heart. He's looking at our hearts. But, you know, sometimes our old religious structures can paralyze our hearts. And we get uncomfortable moving as God wants us to move. We need to show some enthusiasm and some excitement about who God is and what he's done for us. Amen. Wow. Whoa. Okay. Let me get a breath. Let me get a drink of water. Everybody need a drink of water. Kind of interesting. My topic today is conquering fear. Conquering fear. I think I got to get redressed here. Okay. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, we're so thankful for your presence. We love you, holy God. We thank you that, Lord, we can have a good time and a joyful time in your presence. God, we know when it's time to jump and shout. We also know when it's time to be on our face before you in reverential awe. And God, we thank you, holy God, that we just enjoyed you today, God. We enjoyed you today. So we thank you, Father, for all you're doing in our midst. Thank you for bringing deliverance, for setting the captives free. We thank you for that, Father. We love you, and we just declare the victory. I thank you that you visit us in signs, wonders, and miracles, that you visit us in dreams and visions, that you show us your way. God, I thank you that we have authority over all the miracle-working power of the enemy. We have that legislative authority. We have jurisdiction. God, we take it. We don't take it lightly. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. So conquering fear, and and this verse in 2 Corinthians 7, 5 says, when we arrived in Macedonia, of course, it's talking about Paul, there was no rest for us. We feel like today that sometimes there's just no rest. There's so much going on. And it said we face conflict from every direction with battles on the outside, fear on the inside. I read that and I thought, man, that's today. Battles on the outside, fears on the inside. But not for whom? Not for the body of Christ, right? That, the, so the, we, we have never in my life seen such 
a strong evidence of fear. Fear. I've never seen so many people enraptured by fear. Last year when all this COVID stuff started and, and I heard that in my spirit, will the Son of Man find faith when he returns to the earth? And you know, I always wondered kind of what is that really about? You know, what's it talking about? I could really begin to see how that could be a reality. Will the Son of Man find faith when he returns to the earth? Never had I thought of so much of how appropriate that was until March of last year. But let me tell you something. It seems like the past 12 months have been in constant conflict, but I think if we're not careful, we're re- we're, we can head into a deeper level of fear than we have ever experienced in the last 12 months. And I'm going to talk about that today and how that happens and why that happens. But, you know, it, churches were closing all through, and some have yet to open, my understanding. Government was overreaching, no, no doubt about that. Jobs were closing. People were losing jobs. People were losing homes. Businesses were closing left and right. People were dying, isolated, away from those that they loved the most, their family. I mean, just as things started to seem like it was starting to, to you know, come back to some level of, of what normal looked like. I don't think, I think we have a new definition of normal today. But as it was beginning to look something like what we could say, I can handle this, it starts all up again. You know, our uh, friend, we have a friend who's a doctor, and she, and she said this several months ago. She said, you wait and see. It's going to hit about August, September. And she was, and she gave us some other stuff that why it's going to hit. And it had nothing to do with the bug. It had everything to do with the mindset of people. So there's this new, now there's this variant stream. And we're not saying to check your brain at the door. We know there are things that are real. You know, last year when this thing hit, you know, we needed to step back and say, okay, well, let's, let's get some facts on this. We're not just, you know, we're not just, you know, Jesus never said ignore the mountain. He said speak to the mountain. So we don't walk around pretending like something's not there when it's there. But we speak to the mountain. And this is where the church fell because the church was no longer speaking to the mountain. They were running to the, run from the mountain. If, if the entire church world had begun to speak to that mountain, I think things would be different today. Well, what are we going to do with this next thing, this next variant that's out there? I believe that there are some people saying, I'm not falling for this again. Here in wisdom, I'm not saying here again, I'm not saying ignore the mountain. The mountain is real, okay? I'm not saying ignore it, but we need to get some facts, right? The only facts I want you to have is the facts I'm going to give you today, okay? Others are just as fearful and more so. And there's a reason for that. There's a physiological, neurological reason why that's going to happen. Anxiety and depression are all-time highs. We've, we've seen this. We've heard this. Uh, you know, in a 20, we told you this a week or so ago. In a 20-mile radius, or 66,000-plus people have been diagnosed with major depressive disorder. That means they failed four drugs. Let me tell you, by the time you get to drug four, you have a 6% chance of recovery. 6%. And many, many people that we see have 10 and 12 and 15 drugs. And they're getting no better. They're actually getting worse. And we know that the, some of the common symptoms of anxiety are things like headaches and blood pressure elevated and fatigue and digestive issues and breathing problems and muscle pain, fibromyalgia, and those kind of things happen when, we get our, when we're on this hypervigilant emotional state. But let me tell you something. God never intended for that to happen. In John 14, 27, John, Jesus said, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world. And the, and the world's peace is at its best very fragile. But my perfect peace, don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. 
Instead, be courageous. We've got to hear what God is saying about these situations. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say, have no fear except for this. Don't be in fear except for that. God never said any of that. And for 2 Timothy 1, 7, he said, God will never give you the spirit of fear. But the Holy Spirit who gives you, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control or self-discipline. John 14, 1 says, don't worry or surrender to your fear. I love what George Patton said. He said, there's not a person that goes on the battlefield that's not afraid, but the, the fear does not over, uh, trump their courage. So you just go into battle. You might be afraid, but your courage is much greater than your fear. And that's where we have to be today as the body of Christ. That dream I had, see, we have to take authority. We can't allow the fear of the enemy to trump our courage and our faith in God. And if we really believe what God's word is saying to us, we will do that. And when we're at fear, we are never at rest in God. See, basically, fear means we're not trusting God. Fear means we're not trusting God. Me, you, any of us. If I'm afraid, I'm not trusting God for something. Right? And fear can rest in our brain. This is, this is what the effect it takes in our brain. Fear can rest in our brains. Fear is an emotion that's associated with a memory. Or an image that brought fear in the past. It's in this little thing called the amygdala. And I don't want to get into all that. But the amygdala is that part of the brain that, that relates emotions with memories. So when you hear COVID, 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 die, die, die. And now all of a sudden there's a variant of COVID and it's worse, worse, worse. The amygdala is immediately going to start getting hypervigilant. And it's going to, it's going to, the motions, the fear is going to be greater than it ever was. Now, here again, I'm not saying check your brain at the door. We're not, you know, we're not saying that. We're saying that we, we, we as believers have a responsibility to walk in faith and not fear. Right? We need to speak to that mountain. But fear is being heightened because of all the media that's going on. And, you know, and here again, we need, the media we need to be listened to is, is that word of God right there. That's what we need to be listening to. What is the word of God saying about this situation? What's it saying about me as a believer? And we know, we know from what we do that neurofeedback and, and, you know, neurofeedback, which is, which is deals with the brain, it's basically, it's very successful, but you rewire the brain to deal with those places of the brain that have been affected by fear and other dangerous emotions. It really does work. There is a neurofeedback method that works. It basically rewires your brain. But let me tell you, there's a spiritual neurofeedback that works. And it'll work every time. Isaiah 26, 3 said, you'll keep us in perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. See, that's how we get ourselves rewired. We have, we focus ourselves on what God is saying. We fix our thoughts on God and our brain becomes rewired. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. I want everybody to bow your head a second. Okay, you can raise your head. Did God speak to you while I was getting my tissue? <laughs> You were expecting some super spiritual something to happen, right? Well, it did. I wiped my nose. Psychologist tells us it takes two to three months to rewire the brain. Two to three months. 
We've heard 21 days, but for the neurofeedback, uh, it usually takes about 40, 50 sessions, whatever they do in that. It takes two to three months. Yeah, absolutely. But let me tell you something. It's going to take a little bit of time even when we're using spiritual neurofeedback. The psychologists also tell us that, you know, we hear 21 days to break a habit, 21 days to break. That's because the neuropathways, it takes that long to reshape and remold those neuropathways. God knew what he was doing. That's why he didn't say, just come in and take a gospel and everything's okay. You know, he says, you renew your mind steadily in the things of God. You continue. What did he tell Joshua? Meditate on it day and night. Otherwise, he said, well, just read this scripture, Joshua, and you're good for the rest of your life. No, he said, you need to meditate. You need to transform this mind. Right? The answer is yes. So God God does have a spiritual neurofeedback program. And God wants us, when we don't have peace, when we have fear, we don't have rest. We don't have rest. And I'm going to give you a definition of rest in a moment. It may not be, it may be a little different than what you've been thinking it meant. But in Jeremiah 6.16... This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads. Look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find what? Rest for your soul. Do you see? I did a whole teaching on this one time. That's not what I'm teaching about today. But you see all these action words. You stop. You ask. You walk. You travel. There's a continuous action there. And he says when you do this, you're going to find rest for your souls. When you stop doing that, you're going to be back into the fear and the anxiety and the stress and everything that goes with it. So, you know, our, our, we do work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, right? So sanctification is a process that we go through. So then in Exodus thirty-three fourteen, he said to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So what was God was telling Moses is that my presence brings rest. My presence brings rest. Moses had to do something. So rest is not just ceasing activity, but it's an abiding place of security, peace, and rest. And so sometimes we misunderstand what rest really means. We often under, we think that it just means, you know, take your Sabbath day and do nothing. That's not really what it means, okay? It's not just ceasing from activity. God rested on the Sabbath, and God's resting is what made it holy, Okay? God's resting is what made the Sabbath holy. Had he rested on the third day, the third day would have been holy. Do we understand this? So it's God chose this day as his resting place, sanctifying that day. Now, God doesn't get, he's not, he doesn't get tired and weary. Isaiah, Isaiah 40, 28 tells us God doesn't get weary, right? God did just, I am worn out from creation. I got to take a day off. That's not what he was saying. He said, I want you to take a day. I'm going to rest in that day. I want you to focus on me. So as we choose to set ourselves apart, we come away from sin, from worry, from fear, from fret. God's presence will come and rest upon us. But we have to make that conscious choice. We have to make that conscious choice. We have to set aside and we have to come to him through obedience, through trust, and through reverence. That's how we get to that's how we get to enjoy that place of rest. Hebrews 4 tells us Therefore while the promise of entering his rest still stands. See every one of us had the promise of entering this rest. Had to be more than just about a day. It had to be more than just about taking Sunday off, didn't it? Sunday is definitely not a rest day for us, right? But there are days that we choose to set aside and there's times that God meets us there because we set it aside and we devote that day to him. Someday that day might be riding to the mountains just by ourselves in our car, you know, quiet, 
I mean, it could be just taking a picnic lunch somewhere. It could be just sitting in your house. Whatever you choose to set aside a day. And God, I'm going to set aside the fears. I'm going to set aside the anxieties. I'm looking only to you. God's rest will come. But he said, let us fear lest any of you should have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they did not unite their faith, unite what they heard with faith. Why didn't the word of God benefit them? They didn't unite it with faith. Why can people sit in in church services all over the world? Hear something, one person will get delivered, the other person, I didn't get a thing out of that. They did not unite it with faith. And then it says, for we who believed entered that rest, as he has said, as I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to because of what? Disobedience. Is fear disobedience? What do you think? Is fear disobedience? Why is it disobedience? Fear is disobedience because we're saying I choose not to believe what God says. Right? If I'm, if I'm, fear paralyzes, right? Fear paralyzes. If I choose to believe what the media is saying versus what God is saying, I'm in unbelief and disobedience. And you know, you say, well, what am I supposed to do? You do what God tells you, but you're not going to hear it till you're at a place of rest where he can speak to you. The body of Christ cannot get still enough to hear what God is saying. Since therefore it remains for some to enter and those who didn't because of disobedience, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Now, you know, I love acronyms. You know, I'm always coming up with an acronym. We're going to strive to enter that rest. You say, well, I thought it was easy. Why can't I just pray to God? And in my great faith, I can have rest. No, because you've got something else you're dealing with called your brain, your flesh, the world, the demonic influences. You've got all this stuff. You've got to strive to enter in because you've got to strive to find that place of total obedience where the fear of God is more important than the fear of man. The fear of God is greater than the fear of COVID, than the fear of the government, than the fear of what's going to happen. We've got to get to that place. That word strive means to devote yourself to enter into the rest of God. It indicates an effort that is made. So we have to do something. Many times people never get it because they don't want to do anything. They've got this wrong theology that if I, do, if I have to work for it, it's not a faith. No, faith produces works. Faith produces works, right? So here's my little acronym. S is strive. And I'm sorry I failed to put the notes up this morning. I was so late putting finalizing this. S means to stop looking for answers outside of God. You've got to stop looking for ant. God is our only true source of wisdom. He will lead you to the wisdom that you need. He will lead you to the people that you need. You've got to stop looking for anything outside of God. James 1, 5 says, if you need wisdom, ask God. God, what am I going to do in this COVID situation? Now, he's told us specifically some things we will and will not do. Okay? Get it from yourself. You've got to get it from yourself. What is God telling you to do? What's he telling you to do in your business? What's he telling you to do in your family? Get it from God. Don't listen to what the world is saying because the world is falling apart and it doesn't work. Right? So if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Well, how many times have I asked you, God? Well, start listening, okay? And start obeying. Matthew six thirty three says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. So what do we say? We're not seeking the world's advice. We're saying, you know, we did a whole teaching on Psalm 1 about, you know, how we say, well, what I put my hands to prospers. Only if you do the things that are above it. Only if you don't get counsel from the world. Only if you don't sit and get advice from the ungodly. 
Then what you put your hands to will prosper. Right? So we need to seek the kingdom of God above everything else that we do. Deuteronomy twelve twenty eight says, Be careful to obey all my commands so that all will go well with you. These, you, you hear these all the time in here. And your children after you. Because you'll be doing what is good and pleasing to the Lord your God. See, we want to, do, we want to obey the word of God. The word of God trumps everything. Amen? God is the source of rest and peace, not the world. The world can't give it to us. The news can't give it to us. The medical profession can't give it to you. And if you're going, this is another thing. You know, a lot of people, well, I'm just going to trust God for my healing. Well, you better trust God and make sure that's what he's telling you to do. Well, where's your faith, Donna? No, let me tell you something. God knows where your faith is. And sometimes you better, you better say, God, what is it you want me to do? Do you want me to do, take this medical procedure? Or do you want me to stand in faith believing for you? God will speak to you. God will speak to you. And he will tell you. And there's nothing wrong if God says you go and do what your doctor is saying. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's what God is telling you. But don't let that be your first source of wisdom. Go to God first. Right? Amen? We've got to stop taking advice from the world. The world will cast images of fear. The world will ca- Because the world wants to manipulate and to control us. It distorts truth, it exaggerates truth, and it manipulates to get its way. So we got to stop looking for the answers outside of God, okay? Let's say, I'm going to stop it. Just a few of you are going to stop it, okay? I'm going to stop it. I'm going to look to God first. Let me tell you, God might tell you to go to something in the world to get your, your need met. He might tell you to do that. The wealth of the heathens laid up for the righteous, right? The wealth of the heathens laid up for the righteous. That's what the word tells us. So, you know, don't be so, you know, if you got, God tells you to go get you a, um, a lottery ticket and you go get it and you win. Take that, you know, we'll take 10% of it. We're not afraid of it. We'll take that curse off of the rest of the 90 for you and then you enjoy it and you do good with it, right? If you get 20, yeah, Terry said, if you give 20, you'll get really blessed. I'm just saying, let's just be, let's be balanced. We don't check our brain at the door because we're believers. But we also, that means that we always go to God first. Always. Was it King Asa that got in trouble because he went to the physicians and didn't go to God first? Now, what if he had gone to God and God said, okay, I'm going to send you to the physician. You see, we need to go, we need to check God first. Number two, or letter T, is take responsibility for your life. Suck it up, buttercup, right? We've got to take responsibility for our life. We've got to stop making excuses. We've got to stop making excuses. You know, I tell people all the time in, in our Luke 4.18, all it does is explain your behavior, but it never excuses it. There's no excuse for bad behavior. There's no excuse for being rude. There's no excuse for being cold and indifferent when, you know, to things, when God has told us what to do. But we need to stop making excuses. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of the Lord. Well, I don't do these things. What do you contaminate your spirit with? Seek God on how he wants you. God told us in May to, to turn off the TV. We haven't watched TV since May. You know what? We feel so much better. Our spirit feels better. We talk more. Of course, we watched very little, and I've told you that before, but we would go to sleep with the TV on at night, which we thought was pretty benign stuff that we were watching. 
But you know, we, it's amazing the difference, the clarity. We're having more dreams. We're having, I mean, you know, so we said, yes, you know, we don't even miss this. We've got three TVs we need to do something with. So don't raise your hand. You're not getting them. I'm not going to be a contributor to your <laughs> spiritual defilement. Okay. So cleanse ourselves. See, that's a command. You cleanse yourself from whatever defiles you. Work it out, whatever it is. If you're if if you got a trouble with pornography, get rid of the computer if you have to. What's more important at the end of the day? What's more important? Turn the thing off. Get rid of it. First John one nine says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and He's just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." James one twenty one. So get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives, and humbly accept the Word of God that he has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to... See, it's the engrafted word that saves our soul. It's the engrafted word. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do it. See, take take responsibility. You've got to do the word. You're sitting in a church every time the doors are open and not doing the word, you're just spending a lot of time unnecessarily in the church. I prefer that you get out and do something productive if you're not going to listen to the word. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. You're struggling. You need, what do we go back to? We go back to number one. Stop looking at answers outside of God. If you're struggling with this, God, I'm struggling with this. I have issues with this. I have a bondage. I have a stronghold here. I need help. God, help me. Deliver me. And you want, and then he's going to say, well, then quit contaminating yourself. So you got to do something. It's not hocus pocus. There it is. And I'm all better now. You got to do something. You got to do something. You got to get rid of habits and hang-ups that keep you in a negative holding pattern and do nothing but increase your anxiety. Why is it many people run from broken relationships? I was talking to a lady last week. She said, I just seem to have one broken relationship after and I always go towards abusers. Why? She thinks she doesn't deserve any better. What are you, you have problems on your job? Well, I had problems on that job, so I left. So now I've got problems on this job. Well, what's the common factor? You, Right? I have problems in this relationship, problems in that relationship, problems in that relationship. What's your common factor? You. Somebody said that one time too, as they said, they were married five times and, and they said they always chose the wrong women. But we said, but listen, you were the only common factor in all of these. <laughs> Ouch. Listen to your self-talk. What do you say when you talk to yourself? You may be your biggest problem. When you're saying things like, I can't do any better. I'm never going to break this habit. I'm not, it's not going to, I just can't do it. It was in my family. My daddy has a problem. My granddaddy has a problem, all this. What are you doing? You're pronouncing, you're coming to agreement with your own bondage. And you got to quit blaming everything and everybody and just turn the, and look in the mirror. Okay, so that's T. So R is rewire your brain with God's word. Rewire your brain towards peace. This is Romans 12 I was talking about. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, which is what repentance is. Repentance is changing the way I think about something. It's not just apologizing. God, I'm sorry. Then I go back and do it again. God, I'm sorry. And we'll do it again. A lot of people think, well, I'll just, I can go ahead and do this because God said he'd forgive me if I can, if I confess my sin. Well, confessing involves repentance. That's a dangerous place to be. It's called presumption. 
So we got to rewire our brain. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That word transform is metamorphosized. And what it means is an outward appearance happens, a change happens because of an inward transformation. See, we want to see our city transformed. That's what we're talking about. It's not just by painting the front of the buildings. No, we want to see an inward change. We want to see our city crying out for God. We want to see this city as a place for God's presence. And when we see that happening, you know what? We're going to see the outside come and take care of itself, right? So it says, by changing the way you think, then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, but as we, what do we do? We don't copy. We focus on the word of God. We meditate on the word of God. We talked about this scripture a few months, uh, weeks ago. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the very course of your life. Back to 2 Corinthians 7. We've got to purify ourselves from whatever defiles us. Right? We have to take ownership of that. Yes. We do. We absolutely do. The brain will become molded around what it focuses on. The brain will mold itself and it'll look like whatever we focus ourselves on. If we're constantly viewing fear, the brain's going to develop certain neuropathways that look like fear. And then what happens? Something happens immediately. What do you think panic attacks are all about? Panic attacks happen when something triggers an image in our brain that's stored in that amygdala and that amygdala say, oop, problems here, fear, run. That's what it's telling us. We can, it can be an odor. It can be a picture. It can be an emotion. It can be a, a song that's sung. You know, it can trigger us to move into a certain emotional state. The brain is, the, is that creative. God it, designed it that way. So if you're constantly viewing fearful and violent things, what do you think the brain is going to be? The brain is going to be conducive to fearful and violent emotions, right? So let me just show you. This is a picture. Some of you have seen this before. The picture on the on the... See, on your left is a, a normal brain. The, pr- the brain in the middle, now these are, these are actually microscopic pictures. The brain on the middle is your brain on heroin. The brain on the right is a brain that's been looking at porn. Pretty alarming, isn't it? Now, the great thing about this is, is it called, the brain is something called neuroplastic, which means that it can be remolded. This is why it takes some period of time for the brain to reach, and the brain can literally restructure itself to the one on the left just by renewing our minds in things that are right and good and holy. Now, this is porn. This is heroin. These are pretty. These these are pretty shocking things. What about somebody that's constantly afraid? Their brain is going to take a certain form. Somebody that that's you know constantly uh, self-critical, self-abrasive. Your brain is going to take a certain form, and you're going. To, your brain then controls the way you live your life. So it's very important. So we need to let God's word rewire our brain, right? Um, Hang on a minute. I lost one of my sheets of notes. And the next one is I. We should live intentionally. Do you have that? We should live intentionally. What does that mean? Carefully consider the steps that we take in life. Now back to Jeremiah 6, 16. What's, what is it? Stop, look around, ask, walk, travel. Very intentional. Don't just don't let your calendar run you. You run your calendar. You run your life. We need to live very, we need to consider the path that we're on. 
Where is this path that I'm on going to take me? And if it's not taking us to a good place, we need to change paths. That's common sense, isn't it? If you're on a road in your car and you're not going to get you to your destination, it's foolish. Well, I'm just going to keep on it anyway. I'm just believing God's going to get me there. And you might, we had a guy that was supposed to meet us in Spartanburg and he calls us, he's in Columbia, South Carolina. And he went south. We said go south on 85, but he decided to take 77. So, we, you know, we're there and we're waiting on him. And, I, and we said, where are you? And he said, I'm ending up in Columbia. Am I supposed to be here? No, you're not supposed to be in Columbia. He took the wrong road and he stayed on it. Eventually, we got him back into Spartanburg. This was some years ago. But it's common sense. is if you know you're on the wrong road, don't stay on the wrong road. Let, you know, Run your life in tension. Live your life with an agenda. God's agenda. You say, well, that sounds like it's too much structure. Well, there's nothing wrong with structure. If you're reading through the Bible with us, do you see all the structure that God has in place? Where God appointed this person and said he did it just like David had written from the hand of God? God is very a very structured God. He's not, he's not uh, overly structured. As Naomi tells me, she said, structure doesn't strangulate. It facilitates the moving of God. There's nothing wrong with structure in our life. We need to be intentional. Matthew 11, 29 says, Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, humble, easy to please. You'll find refreshment and rest in me. You'll find refreshment. Jesus says he didn't do anything unless he first got his orders from God. He first got his orders from God. Let me read that in the Amplified. I'm able to do nothing for myself independently of my own accord, but only as I'm taught by God as I get his orders. You see the military theme that this has? What do we? We get our orders from God, our general. God's our general. We get our orders from God. Even as I hear, I judge. I decide as I am bidden to decide. As the voice comes to me, so I give a decision. Do you see the intentionality of what he's doing? He doesn't just give me, let me see how I'm feeling today. Yeah, you know, you know, I feel like, you know. No, that's not the way God does. Jesus did. He says, my judgment is right because I do not seek or consult my own will. I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself. My own aim. Back to the stop taking counsel from the world. So we need to strive to eliminate the stress. V, that word is value yourself. You need to value yourself. Let me tell you something. Some people don't value themselves enough. Quit being humble pie and thinking you're supposed to be the lowest thing on the earth. God didn't make you that way. He says you're the head, not the tail, above, only not beneath. That's what he says about you. He says you're more than a conqueror. Quit walking around with your tail between your legs and letting the devil walk all over you. We have authority over the enemy. We have to take that authority. Know who you are. Psalm 139 says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are the works. My soul knows it very well. You are a masterpiece, a masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's masterpiece. That means a work of art. You are, he created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So we've got to learn to quit saying about ourselves anything unless God says it about us. Let me tell you something. God didn't make junk, and you're not junk. You say, well, you don't know what I've done and where I've been. Who cares? I believe there's something in 1 John 1, 9 that says he not only will forgive you, but he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Who cares where you've been? This is a new day, right? You want to stay in that place? You want to keep going around the mountain like the children of Israel did for 40 years when it was an 11-day journey? You want to die with your music in you because you listen to a lie? You listen to what somebody else said about you? 
God sees you as, wor- as, as powerless, powerful. The devil is powerless. He sees you as of great value. You're not worthless. You're not a piece of junk. And then the last is E, eliminate toxins. This is where it gets sometimes sticky. You got to get rid of toxic relationships and environments. Now, here we are. We're talking about taking responsibility. We're talking about being intentional, right? Yeah, I, I was talking a few weeks ago to a lady who, who was in a, uh, had just come out of a toxic relationship. And she said, I can't decide if I'm going to go back. I said, why would you do that? Has he changed? Well, not really. I love him. I said, well, love yourself some. Love yourself a little more. You'll stand before God. You got to get, you, you know, if that person is not making progress in their recovery, you need to get out of it. You know, I don't think, I mean, I don't think there's a scripture in the Bible that says that you're supposed to endure abuse. But there is a scripture that says you love others as you love yourself. It says also to remove yourself from what? Anything that defiles you. There's been so much wrong teaching that's been done. Well, you know, when you're stuck, you know, the Bible says you can never live. The Bible doesn't even say that. It's wrong teaching. It doesn't even say that. One day I'm going to do a teaching on what the Bible really says. Probably going to shock everybody, but that's what it says. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, stop fooling yourselves. Evil companies, evil companions will corrupt good morals and character. Evil companions. You know, there's a scripture, and I, I think it's over in Second Corinthians, that says don't even have lunch with somebody if they say they're a believer. And they're a liar, a swindler, a slander, slanderer, drunkard. It says don't even have lunch with them. But we've got this sixth sense of loyalty that, oh, I got, I can't, you know, no, God says don't even have lunch with them. He says you judge the ones that are in the church. Don't judge those outside, but you do judge those that are inside the church. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25, don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. And John 2 says Jesus didn't trust himself to everybody because he knew how what was in their hearts. Jesus didn't trust himself to everybody because he knew what was in their heart. No one, He says no one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in every person's heart. I told that we had a leadership meeting yesterday and I told the team, I said, you know, that old Kenny Rogers song, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away and know when to run. And you, and that's the same in relationships. You got to know when it's time to fold it up and run. People get concerned because they don't trust people, but neither did Jesus. We trust faith based on somebody's proven trustworthiness. If somebody was abusive to you and you see no pattern of change or opportunity for them to change, then they've proven themselves untrustworthy. If you you loan somebody a dollar or ten dollars and they don't pay you back, and they come back to you next week wanting to borrow ten dollars, shame on you. Unless God tells you. Now here, this is all, you know, if God's telling you to do something, you do it. Don't fill your life with people that will wear you out and wear you down. Let me tell you, too many destinies have been aborted for this reason. Too many destinies have been aborted. I do need to throw in something here. I'm not saying go home if you've got a bad spouse and say, I'm leaving. I'm not saying that. There, there's a lot of steps we get to first, okay? We don't always want to be living lives of drama. It wears you out. 
And we know ourselves that the enemy will send people that will distract you and they'll create a lot of anxiety in your life and a lot of drama to get you off of the the mission that God has for you. Barbara says you find those who celebrate you and don't tolerate you. You find those who celebrate you and don't tolerate you. Colossians 3.15, how do I know? says, and let peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule, act as an umpire, continue in your heart. I've heard so many of you say this, and we all have. I don't have peace about this situation. Well, that, see, that's God calling that play out. He said, if you don't have peace, stop. Don't go forward just because it seems like the right thing to do. You've got to have peace. And he said, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state, which is members of Christ, one body, you are also called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. So I want to ask you, how is your peace? Your heart is your umpire. How is your peace level today? What crisis are you in? After this praise and worship time, nobody should have any problem, right? We should be all on cloud nine. See, peace is not a lack of difficulty in our life. Peace, but it's a, it's a lack of anguish over the difficulty. It's not Peace doesn't mean it's not going to be difficult. It just means you're not going to be in anguish over it. That's all it means. It's that calm in the middle of the storm. Somehow knowing God's going to work it out. It's the tranquil state of mind when the circumstances don't look like they should. But the word of God and the person of Christ will surpass all of that. It's that full reliance on the word of God in our lifetime because we're in relationship with him. Aren't we heirs to God? It's finding rest in who he is, his character, his faithfulness, his wisdom, his power. And it's ceasing to strive because we have the finished work of God in which we can rest in. So I'm going to ask you to go get your peace today. To go get your peace. I want you to strive to make every effort. Stop looking for answers outside of God. Take responsibility. Rewire your brain. This means you're going to have to take a little bit of time. Instead of spending time in front of the TV, you might want to spend more time in the Word or just in God's presence. God, speak to me concerning this. And live intentionally. Get up in the morning with God's agenda. God, what do you want us to do today? I love what Martin Luther used to say. He said, if I'm, if I'm really busy, I pray two hours a day. But he said, if I'm really busy, I pray four. So if I'm busy, I pray two hours a day. But if I'm really busy, I pray four. What's he saying? I'm relying on God. Value yourself. Quit saying what the world says. And quit saying what your mind is saying. Don't say anything that's contrary to what God says about you. Don't let somebody else assign your worth to you. Value yourself. So if you don't value yourself, you're not going to be confident eliminating toxins from your life. Because you're going to think like all these ladies that keep wanting to go back into abusive relationships. I, I don't deserve any better. Eliminate the toxins. Those toxins may not be people, but it may be environments. Could be friends. Our granddaughter told us she was changing her roommate because she said all she wants to do is party. She said, I don't want to do that. Thank God. Mimi's prayers are being heard. Amen. Sometimes we have to make changes. God has given you everything you need for life and for godliness. Find people that will celebrate that in you. Let's stand if you will.
Find people that will celebrate that in you. I just feel like even though we had an incredible time, I just feel like we need to open the altars. If you've got something that's really been a fear that's been plaguing you, and you say, God, I just want to lay it on the altar. Pastor Zach talked about that when he opened the service. Laying it on the law altar. Let the presence of God come down and burn it up. See, fear will paralyze you. Fear will stop you dead in your tracks. Fear will cause physical problems. Fear causes emotional problems. Relationship problems. I just want you to come. If you've got something, a fear in your life that maybe you it's just feel like it's stopping you from doing and becoming everything you want to do. I just want you to come and lay it on the altar. And by faith, we're going to believe that the presence of God is going to burn that thing up and you're going to walk out of here without that fear hanging around your neck. Maybe fear of the future. Maybe fear of this COVID. Oh, what are they going to do? They're going to come and they're going to make me get a vaccination. No, they're not. They're not. They want you to think that. That's what they want you to think. If you want to get it, get it. I'm not saying don't get it. If you want to get it, get it. But nobody's going to make you get it. Right? Nobody's going to make me get it. I have a Smith & Wesson. Plus, I have the Holy Ghost. I have several Smith & Wessons. So I want to open it up. And if this is just an act, just maybe a prophetic act. God, I'm just bringing it. I'm laying it here. And that's all we're going to do. pray also for someone. Say, come on up if you want to just lay it at the altar. Give it to God. I'm tired of that fear. I'm tired of that albatross around my neck. I'm sick and tired of walking around with this weight just pulling me down. Thank you, Lord. We can pray for you right here. We're going to pray for Dolores' son. Yes, he has cancer. But you know, God is greater than cancer, isn't he? God is greater than cancer. So, Father, we thank you, Holy God. What's his name? Jesus. Greg. Greg. God, we pray for Greg, and we thank you, Holy God. We thank you, Holy God, that you're the Lord God who heals. Your word says you're Jehovah Rapha. We declare that this cancer has to bow its knee. But I also pray, God, that you stir up within Greg the word of truth and the word of life, the word of faith, God, that you speak to him wisdom on how he's supposed to deal with this sickness and his healing. So, God, I thank you for it, and we declare it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God, we rebuke fear. Father, I rebuke fear over this church, Lord. Fear of this variant thing that's coming around. God, we're not going to bow our knee to fear. We rebuke it. It must bow its knee to your name in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We break off all fear of the future. The unknown of the future, Lord. We break off that fear. We break off all those what-ifs. Those are just fear statements. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if God's on the scene? God, we call down. We call down every name that would try to exalt itself against you. It must bow its knee to the authority you've given to us as believers. We walk in authority. 
We have authority. We will not. We will not bow our knee to fear of any time. Of any kind. Yes, in the name of Jesus. God, we might experience that emotion, but Lord, our courage is going to push right there. It's going to bulldoze through that thing. And God, we might do it afraid, but we're going to do it. God, the only thing we fear is you. Yes. Yes. We choose yes. to fear you and you alone. Only you, Jesus. Yes. We are not going to allow fear to rule and reign in our lives. In Jesus' name. Let me tell you, the answer is up to you. He's already done everything he's going to do. He's given to us everything we need for life and godliness. Yes. We've got to do some things for ourselves. Yeah, there's some things God will do for us, but it's not things that we can do for ourselves, I don't believe. Just like you do with your child. You have, sooner or later, you're going to say, feed yourself. Right? We'll help feed you while you're a baby, but eventually you got to learn to feed yourself. you got to deal with those problems, deal with those finances, deal with those marriage issues, deal with them. Yes. And you both got to be working on it in agreement in the same way. One wants to spend every dime they get, and the other wants to save. There's a problem there, right? Well, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for breakthrough and deliverance in the lives of your people, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to rebuke anxiety and depression off of God's people in this place today. Yes. That's a foul spirit of depression and anxiety. We say to you, bow your knee to the name of Jesus. We take authority over you. You will not. You will not hinder your God's people a day further. Thanks. Now I want to talk to you that deal with anxiety and depression. You've got to do something about it. Right? What do you do? You put on a garment of praise for a spirit yes. of heaviness. Hallelujah. That's what the word says. If you start feeling yourself get down and depressed, begin to praise God. See, we have to do something. What did it say? Don't just sit and listen to the word. Do something or you're fooling yourself. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just pray blessing upon every person here. Let your face shine upon us. Thank you, Father God, that you guide and direct and protect every step that we take. God, we just love you so much. We thank you so much. Thank you for your incredible, incredible love for us. Lord, we just want to please you in all that we do and all that we say. Thank you, Father. Father, those that are home, sick, I pray, Father God, that you'll deal with their sickness, Father God, that they will have a spirit of faith stir up inside of them. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And I want you to take your seat, if you will. I do have something else I want to talk about. Thank you, Lord. You know, I don't ever push taking up money for anything. You know, the boxes in the back, we don't even have a time of... I believe in giving, and I believe the Bible says you bring your offering to the church. I believe that. But also in Acts 2, it says that when people are in need, that we take care of the people that are in our need, in our in our family, our church family. And I'm not going to give you a name, but there's... The, particularly a person in our church family that's in a pretty significant financial need. And they're doing everything they can do, and I happen to know that. They're doing everything they can do. I want the family to bless this person with whatever you can do. 
just put it in the back back there, right on the envelope, special need, and it'll go directly to that person, every penny of it. So I, this is the way churches operate. We take care of our own, right? When we know they're doing what they can do, we take care of our own. And so we want to bless that person and take some of the load off of them, the stress off of them. Okay? So I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes. Thank you, Lord. We just bless you, Father God. If you didn't come prepared, you can always go online and give just through donation. And just make a special note that it's for the special need. Okay? This person has no clue I'm doing this, by the way. They didn't ask for anything. Well, the worship team had four songs they were going to sing today, but I tell you, Holy Spirit just sat on one, didn't he? Maybe you can get one of those others next week. <laughs> Actually, the one I thought we were really going to sit on, we didn't. That's the, that's not even... So you never know what Holy Spirit's going to do. You never know how he's going to move. That's why we want to be free. We want to be listening. We want to hear. We don't want to come in with an agenda and say, this is the way we're going to do it. God, what do you want? Okay, let's stand and we're going to be dismissed. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for these precious, incredible people. Lord, we just pray blessing on them, their families, their finances, their emotions, their marriages, their children. Father, we rebuke the enemy from influencing the children and the grandchildren of every person represented here in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that split relationships are mended, broken relationships are mended. God, that we walk in love and unity. Thank you, Lord. We just bless you in Jesus' name. Give somebody a holy hug, and we'll see you next week.